0: are in a a new series that we're calling Set Apart, and we're looking both at how God is set apart and how He's holy, how He is different, how He is other, how He is not His creation. We're looking at that, but we're also looking at how God has set us apart as His followers, as His children. And last week, as we were looking at God, uh, one of the things that we said about the holiness of God is that that refers to God being in a category by himself. He's not like the rest of his creation. He's infinitely greater. He's infinitely more powerful. He's different, yet because he's a loving God, he relates to us. He wants to have a relationship with us And when we enter into his presence when we draw near to him as we were talking about last week there's this tension that occurs because on the one hand every time when you see in scripture somebody drawing near to god they end up being terrified they end up being undone they end up being overwhelmed by the holiness by the presence of god yet on the other hand as people see god for who he is We want to draw near to him, so there's this tension that goes back and forth of wanting to draw near to God, but when we get close to him, we're terrified, but yet when we step back, we still want to be with him, and I think that gives us a little bit of an insight as to who God is and his incredible power, but it's also his amazing love for us, and so that same God who was so holy that merely being in his presence was enough to undo the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah just fell on his face and said, I am a sinful man and I dwell among a sinful people. I'm a man of unclean lips. He's just completely undone in the presence of God. That same God touched his lips, healed him from his sin, cleansed him from his sin, and then sent him out to proclaim the greatness of God to the people around him. And the same Jesus who, when he calmed the waves, actually terrified the people who were, who were in the boat with him. That same Jesus loved them enough to die on a cross for them so that they could be restored to a right relationship with their heavenly Father. And so the same Jesus who terrified them when they saw him calming the wind and calming the waves, that same Jesus calms our fears, cares for us, and shows us the incredible love that God has for us. So there's that tension there, and we don't actually want to fully resolve that tension because ultimately it shows us something about the depth of God, that he is so much more than we could ever imagine him to be. He's infinite, he's glorious, he's great, he's powerful, he's mighty, and yet we have the opportunity to have a relationship with him. And so that's just part of the reason why we sing songs like to our God and why we praise him and why we worship him. And when God created us, when he made us, he had a purpose in mind for us. But sometimes that purpose seems to get lost in the busyness of our day-to-day lives. And so if you commute to the city every day, you spend an hour plus on the train and on the subway, both directions. And then you're at work for eight, 10, 12, 14 or more hours a day, and you're constantly busy. You're eating lunch at your desk, You're doing all these things, and it's draining on you. And I've talked to a number of you, and you you just say, I can't wait till the day when I retire, and I don't have to get on that stinking train at 5.30 in the morning, every morning. Or maybe, maybe you stay at home, and you're with your kids, and that's an incredible blessing and an incredible privilege, but it's really draining. It's really taxing. Because you 've got these people who are really dependent on you and who are looking to you to meet their needs, and sometimes you feel like i 'm a combination of a taxi driver and a sports coach and, and an academic tutor and you know and and a, a doctor taking care of all the needs of my kids, and you love your kids, but it's draining you know or you're a student and Every day, it's the same thing. You get up, you go to school, you listen to your teacher's drone, on and on and on. You come home, you do your homework, you've got sports practices, you roll into bed exhausted, and you get up the next morning, and it's the same thing over and over and over again. And then there's the agendas, the agendas that everybody, everybody has for us. My boss has an agenda for me. My spouse has an agenda for me. All of my other family members have an agenda for me. My kids have an agenda for me. My cat has an agenda for me. And if you don't think that your cat has an agenda, just wait, just don't feed your cat tonight and you will find out what your cat's agenda is. So you've got all this busyness, all these things going on, all these people who have an agenda for you. And sometimes you just wanna say, stop. Is this all there is to my life? Is this why God created me so that I could do all these things that all these different people have for me so that I could get on the train every morning and do the same grind day in and day out? Or is there something bigger, something more important than that? I want to make a difference in the world. I don't have to change the entire world. But please, if I could just make a difference in some small part of the world then I would feel like maybe, in some sense, I'm fulfilling the purpose for which God created me. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about just a little piece, just a little piece of the purpose for which God created us. Because I think when we understand that purpose and we begin to fulfill it, we realize what an amazing God He is that he gave us something significant to do, something that can make a difference in the lives of the people around us. If you go back right to the very beginning, the opening chapters of the Bible in the book of Genesis talks about God creating the world. And when he created the world, it was perfect. Beautiful day outside today. Nowhere near how beautiful it was every day when God created the world. He made the sky, he made the mountains, he made the trees, he made the forest, he made the oceans, he made the fish in them, he made all the plants, he made all the animals. Incredible different varieties, smells, colors, all sorts of different things, both for his enjoyment, but also for ours. God created this beautiful world and he gave it to us. He wants us to enjoy the world that he created. And when you look around it, you see all these amazing things and you realize what an incredible God we have and what a privilege it is that we have to enjoy the creation that he's made and also to enjoy him and worship him and praise him for the incredible things that he's given us in creation. But if you're reading through the account of the creation of the world in the opening chapters of Genesis, you've got to realize that the pinnacle, the high point, the ultimate act of creation was when God made humanity. And it's recorded in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, "'Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move on the ground.'" When you read this, you realize we are more than just mammals with opposable thumbs. We are more than just another piece of God's creation. We are set apart from the rest of creation because we are the only beings, we are the only creatures in all of creation that bear the image of God. We are made in the likeness. We are made in the image of God, and what that means is we are God's self-portrait. When God painted this beautiful picture that we call the world, that we call the universe around us, he painted himself into that picture, and that's who we are. We are God's representatives in and to his creation. We look like him. We don't look like him physically. We don't know what God looks like physically because ultimately he's a spiritual being. We look like him spiritually. God is creative and so are we. He created this beautiful universe and we have creative ability, all of us have some aspect of creativity. And when we're exercising that creativity, we are, in a sense, imaging God. We're showing the world what God looks like, in some sense, when we're being creative. God is a relational being, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in and of himself. God has relationship. We are relational beings with one another, but also With God. God's powerful. He's all powerful. We're powerful as well. We have some level of power, not to the extent that God has, but we're powerful. We can set up, we can accomplish things, we can do things because of the the power and the ability that God has given us. God is an emotional being. He loves, He gets angry, He grieves. We have all those emotions as well. So God made us to look like Him in a spiritual sense. We're not God, but we do look like him. And then he gave us this task of ruling over the world, of caring for his creation. That's what he says. He says, rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals, all the creatures that move on the ground. God gave us a job to do, and it's to care for his creation, to take care of it as his representatives. And if you stop and you step back and you think about that, What an amazing purpose that God gave us to be his representatives to the rest of his creation. There is, in some sense, no higher privilege that we could have than to represent the creator of the universe to his creation. So when we ask ourselves, what's our purpose? Where does our worth come from? Where does our meaning come from? Ultimately, it comes because we are created in the image of God, and we're to represent him to one another and to the rest of creation. And if you read through the rest of the narrative, if you read through the rest of the story, if you read through the rest of the history, you realize that for a period of time, we did a pretty good job of of representing, representing God. We did it well. We cared for the animals. We cared for the world around us. We cared for one another, and we enjoyed it. We enjoyed that role that God gave us. We had a perfect relationship with God. We had a perfect relationship with one another. We enjoyed the creation that he gave us, and we enjoyed the work that he gave us to do. But then we decided we knew better, and we were going to, in some sense, try to act independently of God. And rather than doing what God told us to do, we decided that we were going to do what we wanted to do And everything changed at that point. We disobeyed God when Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit. They disobeyed God, and the whole creation was changed as a result of that. Our relationship with God was broken. And if you read in Genesis chapter 3, it talks about Adam and Eve hiding from God. They're hiding from God, from the one who created them, from the one who made them, from the one who gave them everything that they could possibly need. They're hiding from God, and we do the same thing today. And they covered themselves with fig leaves in in a feeble attempt, in some sense, to hide from one another because they were embarrassed to be with one another. And we do the same thing today. Our relationships with one another, as good as they may be, are nothing when compared to the original relationships that Adam and Eve had with one another. So our relationship with God is broken. Our relationship with one another is broken. Our relationship with the rest of creation is broken. And the creation itself is fallen. And work is no longer always a joy. Sometimes it can be an incredible chore. And life's been difficult ever since then. But rather than leaving us to our fate, God decided to do something about it and he embarked on what we might call a a cosmic mission of restoration. And the core of that restoration project was when he sent his son Jesus to be born as a human baby, to grow up, to live, to suffer, to die, and to rise again so that we could be restored to a right relationship with God, so that we could be restored to a right relationship with one another, and that's the core of God's cosmic rescue mission, and the amazing thing, the thing that as I stop and think about it, I, 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 I have a hard time understanding in some sense why he chose to do this, but God says we get to be part of it. I mean, if I were God, I would have said, forget it. They've messed up. They ruined the world that I created. I'm done with them. Might have wiped them out, but he didn't choose to wipe us out. It might have said, "Mm, let's have a bunch of angels work on this cosmic restoration project because they always obey. Or maybe he would have done it himself. But no, God said, I'm gonna use these fallen, broken, sinful, disobedient human beings, the very people that messed up my creation I'm going to use them as part of my cosmic restoration project. We get to partner with God in changing the world. And we can do that when we care for the poor and when we care for the needy. We can do that when we help take care of the environment. We can do that when we're helping those who are sick and hurting. We can do that when we're helping to restore broken relationships because all of those things are the result of our sin. All those things are a result of the brokenness of this creation. And so when we're trying to counteract the results of the brokenness of creation, then we are, if we're trusting in God, we are in some sense partnering with him in the restoration of his creation because we're helping to restore his creation to the way that he intended it to be. And that's a pretty amazing privilege, a pretty amazing opportunity that we have. But there's something that's even better than that The Bible tells us there's something that's even a greater privilege than helping to partner with him in the restoration of creation in those various ways that we've just mentioned. And that is that God gives us the opportunity, the privilege, the responsibility of telling other people that we and they can be restored to a right relationship with our Creator in spite of the fact that we're the ones that messed it up in the first place, and it's amazing to think that our holy God, our God who is set apart, our God who is totally other, yet still wants to have a relationship with us, and he's chosen us to partner with him in that restoration. The Apostle Paul, one of the leaders of, of the early Christian church, puts it this way. He says, all this is from God who reconciled to us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them and he's committed to us the message of reconciliation we are therefore Christ's ambassadors although God as though God were making his appeal through us we implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God God could have sent his angels to bring the message Jesus could have come back to earth After he'd risen from the dead, he could have stayed on the earth himself proclaiming the message, but instead he chose to commission us to spread the good news. And it's pretty amazing to think that God has chosen us to spread the most important message in the history of the world that he has, in some sense, set us apart to be his messengers. We are God's representatives we were God's representatives in the garden and we are now God's representatives in the rest of the world we're his representatives to a world that's estranged from him and he's entrusted us with the message of reconciliation and you look at the at the Apostle Paul he spent most of his time spreading the good news of what Jesus had done he devoted his life to telling others that they could be restored to a right relationship with their creator if they'd simply turn to him, confess their sins, ask him for forgiveness, and receive the incredible grace that he offers. And most people, most of us here, don't spend the majority of our waking hours the way Paul did. We don't spend the majority of our waking hours uh, telling other people about Jesus. But we can still spread that good news even if it's not a full-time occupation. I have a friend who's a stay-at-home mom. She spends a lot of her day caring for the needs of her kids, caring for the needs of her family. But she's always, wherever she is, she's always looking for an opportunity to develop a relationship with somebody and use that as a foundation to tell them about the incredible love of Jesus. So whether she's at the doctor's office, whether she's at her children's school, whether she's serving on a committee uh, in in her town, whether she's interacting with her neighbors, wherever she is, she's always looking for a way that she can introduce whomever she interacts with, the people around her, how she can introduce them to Jesus and to the incredible love that, that he has for them. And she invites her friends, she invites her neighbors, she invites the people that she meets, sometimes even in the doctor's office. She says, hey, come to church with me. It's a pretty amazing opportunity to hear about God and what a difference that He can make in your life. And so she's always looking for those different opportunities. And she's an example to me, and I really appreciate seeing her do this. The Apostle Peter, another one of the leaders in the early Christian church, he says this about us. He says, you're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We were singing a song about being called out of the darkness and into the light. And I love what Peter says here. He says, we are a holy nation. What he's saying is we're holy. We're set apart by God for a special purpose. And that purpose, as he puts it here in First Peter 2.9, is to declare his praises we get the privilege of telling others about how great God is. What an awesome, amazing, loving, creative, powerful, forgiving, compassionate God we have. And that's exactly what my friend does. She is so excited about the love that God has for her, about the things that he has done in her life that... She doesn't have to make herself tell people about Jesus. She can't help but tell people about Jesus. It just flows from her naturally because she's so enamored with God. She is so amazed. She's so taken with him that she's just got to tell everybody about who she is. So she doesn't force herself. She wants to do it. And that's a pretty amazing thought to think that we have the privilege of telling people about how great our God is. Peter also says that we're a priesthood. He calls us, all of us, priests. You think about that from the the culture in which we live. Priests and ministers are are viewed as some sort of a, a special class set apart and different from the average person, but Peter is saying no. All of us, all who are followers of Jesus are priests. And in the Old Testament, that's the context in which Peter was writing. The people to whom he was writing would have been familiar with the Old Testament. The Old Testament priests were the intercessors. They were the go-betweens between God and humanity. They represented God to the people and the people to God. And what Peter is saying is we, all of us who are followers of Jesus, are set apart to be priests, to be God's representatives to the people, and to be the people's representatives to God. And that's exactly what my friend does. She's constantly not just telling people about God, but she's also telling God about her friends and about her neighbors and the needs that they have, praying for them, interceding on their behalf for the needs that they have in their lives and in their families. And she's praying that they would come to the point where they know the incredible love that God has for them and that they would join her in praising and worshiping him and telling others about him she's praying that God would give her opportunities to share God's love with him with them she's praying that God would give her just the right words just the right things to say to them and she's praying that God would work in their hearts so that they'd be ready to hear what she has to say, or so that they'd be open to the invitation to come to church where they can hear. So she's acting as a priest in the way that Peter is talking about here. She's participating in God's cosmic plan of restoration, doing what she can within her sphere of influence to help others to experience the same kind of love and mercy and grace that God has shown her. And that's an incredible privilege that she has and that all of us who are followers of Jesus have. So where do we go from here? How do we take what we're talking about and apply it in our lives? I want to give you two suggestions. First of all, if you've never been reconciled with God, if you're still estranged from God, if you have never come to Him and said, Father, I've sinned. I've disobeyed you. I haven't done the things that you want me to do. I've done the things that you've told me not to do. I'm not following after you. If you've never come to him and said that, turn to him and said, yes, I agree with you that I need your forgiveness. Would you grant me your forgiveness on the basis of Jesus dying on the cross for my sins and rising again to give me new life? If you've never been reconciled to God, There is no better day than today in order to do that. So if you've never done that, take some time today, think, pray, consider, what's keeping me from being reconciled with the creator of the universe? And then if you do that, thank him for the incredible love and grace and forgiveness that he's shown you and his willingness, his desire, his eagerness To restore you to a right relationship with Him. And then second, if you've already been reconciled with God, if you already have been restored to a right relationship with Him, then tell somebody about it. Tell the people around you about who God is, what He's done, what a difference that He makes in your life. Pray about it. Ask Him to give you those opportunities. If you're afraid, ask Him to give you strength and courage. If you're not sure what to say, ask Him to give you the words. If you're still not sure, just work at developing a relationship with somebody and saying, hey, you know what? I'd love to invite you to come to my church. It's kind of a little bit different. It's not a church where we heap guilt on you. It's a church where we get to be excited and talk about the incredible things that God has done for us. Why don't you come and join me Come next Sunday morning with me. Take those opportunities and be that representative that God has made you to be in making a difference in the lives of the people around you. God has given all of us, all of us who are followers of Jesus, the privilege, the responsibility, and the joy of joining with him in his cosmic plan Of restoration. He has set us apart for that special purpose. And so take some time, even this afternoon, to ask him, Lord, how do you want me to participate in your plan? How do you want me to be used by you in the lives of the people around me? Give me that desire to share your praises your greatness, your love, your forgiveness, your reconciliation with the people around me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the incredible privilege that you have given us as as your followers to represent you, to tell the people around us what you're like, that you're glorious, that you're majestic, that you're creative, that you're powerful, that you're merciful, that you're caring, that you're compassionate, that you're forgiving. And I thank you for that incredible privilege. And I pray for all of us that we would be so overwhelmed with your great love, with your great power, with your mercy and with your grace, that it would just become more and more natural for us to tell others about that. And I pray that as we do, you would use us to make a difference in their lives, to point them to you so that they could be restored to a right relationship with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.